0: Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. However you like to do it. Indoors. Outdoors. In the gym or playing the field you know that being fit comes with benefits at lifestyle sports we have the sportswear for you brands that turn you on innovation that gives you the edge and no strings of life so you can choose life with benefits style with benefits sports with benefits your life your style your sports at lifestylesports.com
1: Welcome to the BloodandMud.com podcast episode one. Month. I should stop calling it the dot podcast, really, because it's just the Blood and Mud podcast. It's not the it website is, is it nothing is really, now yeah. these days. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Don't be down on yourself. Well, you know, I, I gave it a good a go man. for a, for a decade, and now I'm, it's just a podcast now. So anyway, it
2: did it did feel like you were sort of limping onto that ten year anniversary, and then you got there <laughs> yeah, almost ten like, years like done. Fuck this, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a Blood and Mud podcast. I am Lee Calvert, the editor. Well, I was the editor of that website, but not yeah. now. Josh, yeah. you've still got a website, haven't you? Anyway, well, you...
2: yeah. Uh, I'm Josh Gardner of which which is just about still a going concern, I believe.
1: You can get in touch with this podcast on me at Blood and Mud. Mm-hmm. And there is there is still BloodandMud.com. Yeah. And there's Lee at BloodandMud.com. And how do people get in touch with you, Josh.
2: Uh, at Josh Gardner at Rugby Shirt uh, rugbyshirtwatch shirtwatch um, dot That's about it. Yeah. You had a busy
1: weekend. Uh, I did
2: quite a busy weekend. Yeah. I, uh, I I went to watch some comedy in a tent and nearly died of heat exhaustion. <laughs> and.
1: But uh, not dying through laughing. That's not a good sign, is it?
2: No, it was very funny. It was just fucking hot. Um, and then I I just yeah I went to Penarth. If I'm honest. I had some liquid nitrogen. Oh I saw that on Instagram,
1: cream. yeah. Instagram you had a yeah. liquid, nitrogen, <laughs> had is liquid it, nitrogen. Is it different? Nitrogen? Is any different to normal? I'll tell ice you cream?
2: what, it's bloody good stuff. Like I don't know what it is about the liquid nitrogen thing that uh that makes it taste so goddamn creamy. But uh yeah. Any if, you, if you're in Cardiff, Science Cream in in one of the arcades there, can't remember which one. Quality shop. I think I've seen uh, that film. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's yeah, no. Um <laughs> I didn't do yes, what did. Uh, I, what did I do? I went
1: to see Solo, is what I did. Oh, was it any good? I, still I seen really them. enjoyed it. I know yeah, it's a bit of a panning, but it was just good fun.
2: I've heard a lot of people say it's really good. It's just people are just fucking it's bored un- of having un- a Star Wars film yeah, year, I think.
1: every year. Yeah, every six months or so. But yeah, it was really yes. good. Fun. And you know, I'm always up for lots of Chewbacca. Anything yeah, with lots I'm of Chewbacca in it will do yeah. for me. Love me- that. Meanwhile, back at the rugby... Um, this pod is available on Acast. It's available on iTunes, Stroke, Apple Podcasts, but also available on Patreon to the lovely patrons. And thank you oh, so thank much, thank you
2: very much to those each guys, yeah,
1: every one of you who have signed up and continue to sign up. And I hope you enjoyed your special, exclusive rugby history episode this week. Indeed, because we certainly enjoyed making it.
2: It did. I always love those, I particularly like I was, because as it was a Welsh rugby one, I found it uh, very illuminating. You feel all pumped up. I was, yeah. Full of, you know, chip more chippiness than ever, you know.
1: <laughs> and you know, when you sign up for Patreon, you can do the $2, $2 Allied Brew Lounge, or you yes. can do the $5 Allied Brew VIP Super Area Lounge.
2: Oh, hello. Hello. Yes. Well, the, the Creme de la Creme.
1: We've had a few more people sign up this week. Oh, to wow. The, to the Creme de la Creme VIP area. So I've got to give a oh, shout well out there. to Mella Shelton. Lewis Anderson, Phil Jones, George Warren and Ian McGillip who've all ponied up a bit more cash
2: Heroes. than they allow. need to quite frankly. Yeah.
1: They don't have to do that. So they're getting
2: are, yeah, all, all they're getting is their name read out on a mildly popular rugby podcast.
1: They can do if they get a decent shit good in. Let's be honest they don't yeah. have to pay for that privilege so yeah. it doesn't have to be a decent one. Some weeks I'm rushing nope. so I'll just take whatever's first nope. and read. So shall we start as we always start to play player spotted?
2: Yes, let's do that. Before you do that, I Whoa, I, so I, I, I nearly thought I had the creme de la creme of player spotted. Oh,
1: you are joking?
2: In that, I very nearly thought I saw Ale Brew in Penarth yesterday.
1: But it wasn't Alec Brew. But it wasn't Ale Brew. <laughs> it was
2: just Didn't
1: another brew. Yeah, a Ale, was... <laughs> <laughs> And then when you got there, it was just some some blow.
2: Yeah, it was just a tall bald man. But from I was just like, wouldn't this be perfect now if I'm in, I'm in Pinath walking down the Esplanade <laughs> with some delicious science cream ice cream in my hand, and there, coming over the horizon next to a man dressed as a lobster, is Ali Brew. But no, it wasn't. It was Go good.
1: back a step. Next to a man dressed as a lobster.
2: Yeah, there was a man who was. Uh, I I can only just. I mean, it was hot yesterday. We all know it was hot it yesterday. Was,
1: yeah, it was really hot he was all dressed
2: weekend, Yeah, in, in a sort of giant lobster outfit and he was they had some sort of northern soul dj person going on and he was feeling the rhythm what and was he was feeling the groove uh, oh, the way
1: he said it as if it's somehow related that you know lobsters always turn up well I, I, they seemed northern like soul he, acts, you know.
2: he didn't deviate from outside where this music was playing and he was he was very much in the moment he was dancing like nobody was watching but he was a lobster so you know
1: I yeah, I feel for him because I mowed my lawn my two my front and back lawn this weekend and just Ooh, two, yeah exactly two are. lawns over here <laughs> and just walking backwards and forwards with the lawnmower I was sweating <laughs> pints so the idea of wearing a lobster suit would have been uh, ridiculous yeah I mean
2: I assumed he was battered but he might just have been suffering from mild heat stroke. That's true. and this, this there was a really sad end to that tale that I, also I didn't see
1: took my poor dog to be de balled this weekend
2: oh bless him it happens to the best of them.
1: He, is. he took it. He took it well. He took it like a like it like a man.
2: Have they given him those plastic balls so that he's got something to lick? No, or he, had, is he just he became just a, a,
1: a dog with a lampshade on his head. Obviously, oh, that's him. him. But he's doing all right. He's doing all right.
2: Good. That is the most important thing.
1: Anyway, that meanwhile, back at the player spotted that was actually a player spotted.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. We are so, tangenting like a motherfucker today. <laughs>
1: it's, it's all this heat and excitement. It is. Jamie Heard got in touch on Twitter, and he said, mm. this is going back, he said, whilst George North was at Scarlet's, I spotted him filling his Jaguar with petrol at Forest Park, Tesco.
2: It's a. It's one of the worst Tescos. But he best, says,
1: as an Osprey, I love this, That the, 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 this sort of like really sort of chippy parochial anger. He says, as an Osprey's fan... I felt genuinely annoyed that he was using a Swansea petrol station and not one in Clinetley. <laughs> they don't have petrol stations in Clenetly. <laughs> they have pump carts to put on the railway line <laughs> and donkeys. That's all they have. But yeah, so George yes. North
2: so that, making somebody his, angry yeah. and filling his car yeah, in the wrong petrol Filling up his petrol station on the wrong side of the fucking Get locker. it's a
1: fucking Clenetly where you belong with your Jaguar. <laughs>
2: Oh, wonderfully banal. As Fantastic. Ever.
1: Shall we decide who we're going to sit next to down the clubhouse?
2: We'd better add. Do you want to go first?
1: I will go first. I must say that Len Bag's in tonight. Do you remember Len Bag? Oh, so yeah, he I remember might, Len he Bag. May, you might hear him shouting wankers in the background from time to time.
2: We can only hope. <laughs> okay. Here's your so, choice. I'm, not, yeah, oh, I'm going first. As
1: in you're, you're telling me oh, no, I'm you telling you. You crack on. You right. crack on. Here's your choices. You can sit next to Gummy Chris. Oh, Instantly.
2: Uh, what? Actually, I'll, I'll I'll let you go with it.
1: Gummy Chris plays hooker for Abercumboy Thirds. Yeah, and is so monikered because, as you can guess, he's got no teeth. Yeah, he's also but because of that, and he, because of this brand he's got, he's quite obsessed with the whole gum thing. Oh, so God. he's always eating wine gums. Oh, okay. His party trick is to drink glasses of Glory Gum. Do you remember Glory Gum you used to have when you were a kid? He also yeah. thinks it's hilarious to bite you with his gums randomly oh, if you, no. if you, within his vicinity. So that's a I no. Was,
2: <laughs> I mean, I I was on board with, the, like, I thought, you know, okay, he's not got any teeth. I'm from Aberdeer. I'm used to spending time with people who haven't got any teeth. But then I was like, particularly people from Abacan Boy who haven't got any teeth. But then, you know, I was thought, you know, wine gums. That's, that's a, you know, maybe he'll give you a wine gum. But the whole... I don't want Imagine
1: to be- him biting on your forearm, on your bare forearm, oh, with, his no, gum, I don't with his gums. Want, I don't
2: want that. No. That's just unhygienic. So that's gummy,
1: Chris. So, so let's see if this is any better. Yeah. Oh, second choice Hong Kong Kenny. Oh, God. <laughs> his real name is Ken Edwards. Right. But he's called, he, he gets this name because he claims to be a black belt in Kung Fu. Right. However, it is well known he's only actually ever been to four <laughs> lessons at Hereford Leisure Centre back in 1994. However, he keeps <laughs> this going, and he says yeah. that the Kung Fu was taught him meditation skills, which means he can visualise himself floating on a calm sea in a dinghy that he uses when he's sat in the club to stay calm, when like the stuff on the telly and things are winding him up. Okay. If you attempt any conversation with him, he responds with, fuck off, I'm on my boat. <laughs> That's Hong Kong, coming.
2: I mean, as a naturally antisocial person, I'm quite liking the thought of sitting next to I mean, because I'm not going to bother him. No. I don't want to have a chat you with him. don't speak to him. He's and happy if, on his and boat. If, and if he's not losing his fucking rag at the rugby, I mean, may, as I will probably will be losing my rag at the rugby, maybe I can learn some things from from Kenny. And also, I think I was taught history by him between the ages of 11 <laughs> and 16. So, uh, you know, where.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely go with Hong Kong. So, Kenny. Hong Kong, Kenny. There you go. Take a yes. seat. Who am I sitting Indeed. next to? Indeed. What, what well, choices have I
2: got? You, your your first choice is Wilson Pumice the Fourth. Wilson um,
1: Pumistone. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah.
2: All right. It's just his a family name. What can All I tell right. you? Yeah, yeah. Um, a, a gentle giant he may be, but people are starting to wonder if the six foot eight inch second row is taking his Lenny nickname a little bit far. Right. Like. He started keeping rabbits in the changing room and talking to them like he's their friend. And the problem is, nobody can really work out if he's doing it to be funny and playing up to the whole of mice and men Lenny thing, or if they probably need to take and get him
1: tested. Because he's actually genuinely not not a well man.
2: Well, yeah, and in a cruel twist of irony, everybody's afraid of doing it because they're afraid he'll go a bit Curly's wife on them, you know? (laughs) So, right, yeah. so
1: that's Wilson, no, that's, promised that's on, promised not, on the Ford. Not an appealing offer, I'll be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
2: well, you haven't heard number two yet. Number two is the fucker. <laughs> now, right. now rumour has it that only the club secretary of Willie's Academicals RFC knows his real name. But to everyone else, he's just known as the fucker. Uh, He's been a fixture in the second row for the past two seasons, and while you can't deny the intimidation factor that his unrelenting physical style of play can bring to the opposition, it's just a shame that the fucker seems incapable of limiting himself to the other team. Get the call at the line-out wrong? Kidney jab. Drop your bind at the scrum? That's a ball twist. And throw an intercept? Well, he'll just spark you the fuck out. He's actually the only player in club history to have had his red card greeted with applause and celebration from his own teammates.
1: That I, I, I I like the sound of him mainly because he reminds me of the stories that Mike Bubbin's told on when he was on the pod <laughs> talking about how he want, punched his own hooker for for hooking the ball the wrong way.
2: Yeah, I mean to be honest, and, and may, Mike's maybe a lovely
1: the... fella, so that, there's no reason why the yeah. fucker can't be a nice fella in between all of well, this.
2: Well, who's who's to say that the fucker's real name is not Mike Bubbin's? You know,
1: it could be, but it, it could he, be he wasn't a second just... rower.
2: No, he wasn't. That's true. He's back rower. Fair
1: enough. Is... Yeah, so um. There you go. So who's going to be? Oh, oh, he's got a bit of fucker. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he might enough. punch me at some point. I'll do something terrible. But... Well,
2: you know, the worst things have happened to see, haven't
1: they? It has, yeah. Well then, what a weekend we've had.
2: Yes. Hell what of a weekend. What a weekend Blood we've had.
1: Hell. And as Fraser McVean got in touch, we're doing shit good later, but Fraser McVean got in touch and he said, good was the marvellousness of a near 24 hours of straight rugby on Saturday, Sunday. Some amazing games and lots of talking points.
2: Yeah. Well, as if, we're going straight into what we learned. The first thing that We've I We've got learned, no news this
1: week, by the way. No, nothing of any a, import, anyway.
2: No, unless you really care about Ian Evans being an assistant coach at the Dragons, it's been a quiet day. <laughs> or Eddie Jones getting into it with some South Africa fans, which I just don't care about. Um, yeah, the thing, the first thing that I learned this week: Test match rugby is just the fucking best, isn't it?
1: Do you know what? We've said this before, right? And we do this pod yeah. every week. Uh-huh. And, and I'll be honest let's be honest, there are some weeks where you're just like, I'm not altogether that excited about what we have to talk about this week. No. we always, I always enjoy it once we start. But there, Absolutely. Was some, there are some weeks where I'm just like, oh. But this week wasn't that at all. And that picks up on mm. your point that I agree with entirely. It was very exciting.
2: It was, yeah. You, watched, you could watch four, te- I watched four test matches on Saturday and every one of them was fantastic in totally different ways. Like, it's a reminder that no matter how much people talk about how much club rugby is getting better, and how, you know, commentators in the fit of fucking emotion say, oh, you know, games or teams playing like at a test level, they're not. Test rugby is a fucking other animal altogether. And, and yeah, it was just, oh, love it. Some, it.
1: People have a pop at rugby, don't they? There's, there's that, there's, there's a comedian once who said that. I thought about getting. He was a British comedian. And he said, "I thought about getting into rugby, then I realised that four of the teams that the half of the teams that play it are us." <laughs> I, but I said, fair enough. But actually, there's something in that. And Tony Collins mentioned it on the Wales portraying history and I'm about talking about the Six Nations this week. Mm. There's something incredibly brilliant about playing the same teams quite regularly every virtually every year. Yeah, even the Southern Hemisphere teams—they come round once a year. It's a rivalry that yeah. continues and continues, and we can all make a point about getting more second-tier team nations involved and all that. But just leaving that aside for a minute, being able to keep that rivalry going year upon year upon year for like a century—yeah—is amazing.
2: Well, and it says you know it—it's those rivalries that that rugby is built on and rugby and that make rugby so exciting. Like you know, by far the game that we're probably going to talk about the least and certainly the game that I gave the least of a shit about this weekend and sorry, Scotland fans, it was Scotland Canada because it wasn't one of those games. Yes. And I'm sure as a Scotland fan, you know, you'd watch, you'd watch it and you'd be interested in how the players went and how everything, you know, shook out with this vaguely experimental sort of lineup that they tried out and all that good stuff. But it's not, Fucking England, South Africa. It's not Ireland, Australia. You know, it's it's just not. You know, and those are you know yeah, those. And we rivalries. have lots of
1: Scottish listeners who were, inter- were, were yeah. very grateful for, but yeah, I wasn't up at two o'clock in the morning watching this, and I'm sure that as I'm no. sure you guys were, and it no. was important and when to it you can, and When it comes to them
2: playing Argentina, that's kind of a different thing because you know it, yeah, it's not like absolutely. this is this exclusive club because Argentina have properly sort of forced their way into that. You know, it's still not at the level of you know South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, etc. But Argentina are one of the teams that have sort of started to force themselves into that conversation as being a bit of a rivalry, particularly when they're at home. And it's, yeah, when, when it comes around to Scotland playing Argentina, I'm sure we'll all be a lot more excited about it. And I'm really keen well, on that According to game. all
1: reports, what we have learned is that Chris Harris can play international rugby against Canada.
2: Good. that is Struggles the in the Six thing. Nations.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but he's done so well can, against Canada.
2: Yeah. When it comes to a team coached by Kingsley Jones, he's absolutely fine.
1: (laughs) Now that's damning with some fake praise right there, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Oh, yes. Go on then. What what are are we going to talk about first? Yeah. uh, Well, I learned, if we're talking about South Africa, England, which I think is probably the game of the weekend and one of the fucking games of the season, one of the games of ever, um, uh, it was much more than rugby as well as everything else. You know, like, I I think we all knew kind of intellectually that Siakalosi being the first black captain of the Springboks was like a significant moment for the sport and South Africa in general. And we'd read all the think pieces and blah, blah, blah. I don't think I appreciated quite what a massive game-changing moment it would feel like when he walked out at the head of the Springbok team and the electricity and the atmosphere in that stadium, like... Did you, you see that first tribal
1: was... lad though? Before that, oh, oh yeah, he, he was massive. Uh, you see him? He was huge. Get him signed like... up, somebody. <laughs> God, <laughs> Why are
2: you not starting on the tired? <laughs> Fuck yeah! <you hell. laughs> um, yeah, and I honestly think that the occasion got to South Africa a bit for the first half hour because they were well something got to the them. Very...
1: It wasn't the occasion; it was something else. But yeah, we'll come on to that probably. Well,
2: yeah, but uh, it, you know they they definitely you know England started very well, and South Africa just looked really passive as if they kind of. They got so worked up with the significance off the field of what it meant for a mm. black guy to captain South Africa that they kind of didn't really...
1: And how well he fucking played, by the way. Because it would have been good. completely understandable if he'd just fucking fallen apart, actually. Absolutely. Nothing in the history of seeing him play suggests that he would fall apart, because he is no, quite the he's... player. But yeah, even it's even greater testament to his talent and his temperament yeah. that he might as well He's together.
2: He's going to be... An exceptionally good, you know. Even if he's back to not captaining them once, once his face is is back from injury, it he's going to be a, an exemplary player for the Springboks. He really is. And and in the, that Springbok team felt like a, you know, for all the talk of quotas, for all the talk of all that stuff, like Razi Erasmus picked a really good team that yeah. felt representative of South Africa, as a, you know, yeah, and awesome. even
1: with the European players back. It was still a yeah. representative team.
2: Yeah. And it was just, yeah, all good stuff. Anyway, uh, other thing I learned, Billy Vunipola Pun- doesn't fix
1: everything, I guess. He doesn't fix everything. And, he, he you know, whisper it, he doesn't look quite fit, does he?
2: He looks very far off for fitness, <laughs> if I'm totally honest with you. Um, Did you see Will yeah.
1: Greenwood talking about Billy Vunipola before the game? For the I video that not. I posted. Billy's back. Billy's back. Oh, I can't work out whether I just well, I just can't work it out. And, I, I he actually was he he was a bit overexcited when he first came in. Then he got quiet. Yeah. Then he got very good. And now Im and Scott seem to be becoming caricatures of something that they
0: wants so. good at. It's the
1: really less hard.
2: rugby, the less rugby Sky has, the more the personalities that are paid by Sky to talk about rugby seemingly feel the need to... I don't know, are they setting themselves up for, like, after-dinner speaking roles, or, like...
1: I don't think they struggle for work. Are they, are they trying I mean, to get Scott's on... Scott's got the, the health lottery, hasn't he?
2: Yeah. Are they trying to get Which I still the, don't understand. I wish, I wish they'd let Scott out of that fucking van. Just stop see, it. Stop I've, sending him to
1: the darts.
2: He's I've, a rugby um, player.
1: The thing is... I feel the same way as you and get frustrated. But then again, you know, he may enjoy it. It might I'm be sure. something he's into. But I I'm hope sure he they does. can. I do, yeah. Because being this sort of like clown prince of former rugby players is not really a. It's
2: not, it's, be, it's beneath the player's I wish you'd fun. just
1: kind of say, no, I'm not fucking doing that. I want to <laughs> yeah. do some analysis, like proper stuff. <laughs>
2: yeah. The thing that Johnny Wilkinson has apparently said when Sky got him in for a season and then he lost all the rugby and he was like, well, fuck, am I coming back to mug around with you bastards? I'm going to go off and launch a fucking. <laughs> kombucha drink or whatever the fuck it is he's done this week has he? Um, he has yeah um, yeah you know are Where they trying to get
1: like? we about Billy um, uh,
2: yes uh, he doesn't look fit he uh, also and it's it's kind of worrying for England that so much of the talk in the build up was that he's going to fix everything you know Billy will come back you know what, and I'll all fix
1: of things a things better than Billy what having a second rower on the bench that'll fix things better than fucking having Billy Will back <laughs>
2: What do you want about Brad Shields as a hundred percent <laughs> he did all right actually
1: he but did it's fine just bizarre
2: but he's still not a second row, yeah, it was just well yeah, so was... what I
1: learned this weekend was South Africa clearly have some bloody minerals, oh yeah, because to go could oh, yeah. i mean a lot of the focus of the chat and will probably I will definitely come on to this at some point was <laughs> was was england's England's deficiencies. And not enough yes. giving credit to the fact that going 21 points down, this South Africa team of the past yeah. three years, going 21 points down <laughs> could easily... It could have gone very, very, very badly. And it wasn't a perfect have... performance by any means, but actually oh, God, there's some though. minerals in there for them. Fair play. And
2: it and it was just... It was, a, it was a, a performance based on... You know, it shouldn't have happened. It should not have fucking happened. Like, there was you know, you get double figure you double digit leads in a test match. Mm. That should be a mountain to climb. If you're talking, you know, it's inexcusable 20...
1: losing yeah. a twenty one point lead. No. Leaving that aside for you a know. minute, but yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, it it's inexcusable from an England point of view, a hundred percent. But to sort of even and the speed with which they did it, you know, that England came out of the blocks like an absolute fucking whirling dervish. And then and you, could, you thought after 20 minutes, well, this one is going to be an absolute fucking hammering. Mm. And, you know, the Rousey Erasmus era is getting off to the worst possible start, yadda yadda. You know, you're writing the headlines in your head. And they just took like, the speed with which they turned it around to be in the somehow, to be 21, not just 21 points down in a test match, to be 21 points down after 20 odd minutes mm. and to somehow be in the lead at half time. That's fucking out ridiculous. And has Paul was, Gustard
1: I, stopped trying? Do you think?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. Paul Gustard. I'm not sure he's ever presided over a team that's conceded 105 points in two games before.
1: A lot of it now, in the outside channels.
2: Yeah. Well, that was the other thing, wasn't it? Like both of South Africa's debutant wingers scored. Mm. and. I think it was Ben Coles on, on Twitter earlier. So, the last time that two wings for the same side scored on a debut for a Tier 1 nation, um, the wingers rather, uh, on the same side scored in a debut in a Tier 1 test Yeah. before last week
1: hmm.
2: was 1955.
1: Good then, Lord, you wouldn't both, have thought that, would you? But then
2: both of the debutant wingers for South Africa against Wales last week scored and both <laughs> of the debutant wingers for South Africa against England scored the, Fuck it, like, I love statistical Brilliant. shit like that. Now that's what
1: you want. That's the kind of stat I like. Never mind how many metres you carry. Fucking pointless. Forget about it. But that's yeah, the kind of stat I, I, I want,
2: like. I want mad shit that hasn't happened for fucking 60 years, then it happens two in a week. I did Amazing. like the look
1: of both of them as well. It wasn't quite lucky. And Cozy's got good feet. Yeah, And is well, lo- good.
2: Yeah, well, I like the thing. I like the look of the two ones that played last week for Wales against Wales as well. South Africa have got four really good-looking wingers there. And you know, it's... When you... Combine it with, I mean, I, honestly, I hope that the SARU sends a nice thank you basket to Premiership Rugby for dramatically improving the form slash general ability of two of the key architects of that Springbok comeback, namely, of course, Faf de Klerk and Willie Larue, because Faf de Klerk wasn't that good before he went to Sale last year, and Willie Larue was in an absolute fucking state of existential hell. Until about halfway through this season, and then all of a sudden has looked incredible again.
1: It's so, if it uh, doesn't matter how much you pay for somebody when you drop them into another country and say, right, just be as good as you were last week. It's not, you know, it is quite a bit to get used to. But, <laughs> but he also sort of, showed his class by turning it round. Yeah,
2: and they've and they've both also clearly now got a a really keen understanding of the way the English play rugby. Yeah, and true. The, and you know they they understand they've played against all these players for a season. So they know their tendencies and they know the way that they will react in certain situations. And the pair of them were just, I mean, Faf de Klerk in particular was just. It
1: was remarkable. He had the. Absolutely In, in a
2: sort of, in a sense of, you know, Michael Jordan having a ball on a string, Faf de Klerk had the entire England team, but particularly Maro Toji oh, on that a string.
1: Was, I mean, I was frustrated, I, but I couldn't help but I laugh.
2: I laughed out fucking, I, la- I laughed a hearty, long belly laugh.
1: It was because... the smallest dummy you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. He just basically slightly turned his shoulders as if he was going to go, didn't he? Yeah,
2: and, then... <laughs> and he literally went through him as if he was being propelled by the 1717 from Euston. It was... <laughs> the fact that he just face-planted as well, it, was like, it wasn't It was even that he did not he overran it. He just threw himself on the floor and sort of slid like I watched, a kind um... of reverse loser.
1: I watched a Dave nature documentary once, and seals when they come up for air in a breathing hole yeah have you seen that
2: yes they go underneath
1: then they start to float upwards and once they start to float upwards they can't change direction no i don't know why but once they start floating upwards they can't swim off again and polar bears just sit there and you imagine this sort of slow motion thing when it just starts floating upwards going because i'm gonna have a i'm gonna have a nice breathe now Oh fucking yeah. hell there's a polar bear there. I'm gonna fucking oh. die now. <laughs> Christ almighty. <laughs> and I I imagine that's what he told you like as he was going down, going, oh fucking yeah. hell, he's not picking the ball up. I'm gonna that's land on my face right now, now yeah. and am in front of everybody.
2: I'm gonna slide for ages as well, <laughs> inexplicably. Yeah.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, so you know, how Marowa told you was like a seal coming up for air.
2: Yes. I mean he was sort of also kind of like when one of those like big sea lions just goes across the ice. <laughs> yes. it, it was <laughs> there was no, there wasn't a great deal of friction involved, it felt. It do was you mean a walrus
1: kind of... Would you say a big sea lion? Or do you actually genuinely mean a big sea lion?
2: Uh I did mean a walrus. I don't know why I said a big sea lion.
1: When I was a child.
2: When I was a child I wanted to be a marine biologist. It's a fucking good job I didn't.
1: Oh, no starry dreams in Aberdare as a child. Oh,
2: eh? Tell me about it.
1: Right, what else have we got that I doing this weekend? Um, England had three decision-makers in the backs, didn't they? Yes. In Ford, Farrell and Slade. And not a single fucking one of them, when we were 20 points up, could make anything like a decision to put the game under some modicum of control.
2: No. Particularly Owen Farrell there, who, let's be honest... It's supposed to be Mr. Cool Head under pressure, and also Mr. Do the fucking sensible, easy thing. And why the fuck he wasn't just kicking to the corners?
1: He didn't actually play that badly. It's just that no, he, did, he didn't. It's just well, well, he didn't play badly at all. In fact, but it's a yeah, it's just, it's, his just his decision making was just all over the place. Yeah, it's almost and, like he's and, using all of his like brain and mental power to stop himself having a full on purple face meltdown every minute and that just takes up too much mental energy to make decisions yeah.
2: I mean what do we think of mike brown as well cuz i enjoyed everybody going ah <laughs> when he scored and fair play it was a good finish fucking terrible attempt at some tackling but a good finish showed real strength
1: nothing was as terrible an attempt at tackling as maxime medard's efforts on laalbach so that was appalling. I'll come on to that again later, but that was <laughs> we will come on to that, but staggering in how bad it was. It was
2: unbelievably bad. But, yeah, he scored a try, but the reason that was good people had a problem... Good bit of strength. But the reason people had a problem with Mike Brown playing on the wing is not because Mike Brown doesn't know where the try line is. Mike Brown's always known where the fucking try line is. The issue with Mike Brown on playing on the wing is, is he quick enough to play wing at test level? Not just running no. forward, but... <laughs> On defense
1: no, as well, and
2: the answer to that, emphatically, judging by the weekend, is
1: fucking. Of course, he's not. It was a decent, strong no, finish, but it's no more decent or stronger finish than Jack Noel would have done.
2: No, and you the know. difference is that Jack Noel wouldn't have got fucking burned by those wide channel attacks and quite I, as know, easily f- as Mike Brown did. In he a tried way, his
1: fucking best. I don't. F- I do feel sorry for him actually because you can't. I've got no pace, so mm. asking me to, you know. It'd be like asking Matt Dawson to have hair. You can't yeah. do it. He hasn't got any. There's nothing he can do about it. So it's kind of it's like asking
2: a- Neil Francis to have a non-terrible opinion. <laughs> you
1: okay. know, we'll come on to that as well. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Right. But it's um, yeah. So actually, I do feel sorry for him because it's a hide into another. Because he's never going to say no, is he? And he does it's try. He not. does try his bollocks Absolutely. off, and he yeah. loves this is England not and he, like loves he wants to win. No. So, if you're gonna say, well, Elliot Daly's the fullback now, which is obviously what he's moving towards, it seems slowly,
2: and that's fine because Daly does seem like he offers something from fullback. Yeah, but I'm not sure it's defending. By the way, I, um, I
1: don't know what he was. I don't know what he was trying to do there. Why <laughs> would both? What he was? Di- he was diving. This is when a ball went into the goal area. He was diving yeah, yeah. towards the ball and falling over. And then just sawed sort of the roll his, over it. But both of his arm hands were moving upwards past the ball. Yeah. So it's like, what I, I, were you trying to punch it touching goal, which doesn't make any sense anyway? Yeah,
2: yeah. which is a penalty try. <laughs> exactly. Well
1: so why weren't both your hands moving downwards? It's almost like he forgot where he was on the pitch. I did that in a, in a semi-final once. I forgot where I was on the pitch <laughs> and nearly Maybe. touched the ball down over the 22, but I didn't do it. But it's...
2: Maybe he was attempting some sort of Cirque du Soleil-esque Gymnastic thing where you know he runs at the ball, does a forward roll over it, and then the winger comes in and dabs it down, and, and everyone goes. And I said on Ooh. Twitter,
1: "What's he trying to do there?" And and somebody very very friendly said, "Maybe he was trying to you know counterattack." It's like he was behind his own line and nearly lying down. What was he? Doing? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm all for back. I'm all for
2: players who've got the pace to back themselves from anywhere. But that was stretching the boundary. I'm assuming he was
1: trying to scoop it up with both hands, pull it into his chest, and fall on it. Yeah. Which seems like but too many just, movements.
2: Yeah, he's already thought three steps too far there. What he should have done is have his hands the other way around and push it on the floor, and then that doesn't happen.
1: It's like trying to, you know... yeah, to, to open a door, you have to reach out and pull the handle. But no, I'll just spin round three times and then do it. It doesn't make <laughs> any sense.
2: Maybe it's like one of the, you know, those OCD people who have to turn the light on and off 17 times before they can leave a room or whatever. Maybe he can't dab a ball down in the in goal like a normal human being. Maybe he's got to, like, scoop it up in his hands and do a forward roll, and then he can dab it down.
1: I miss people putting the ball down one-handed. I know... Yeah. Because how many times too. did you actually see them drop it? Never. I don't have to
2: do James Davis put it down one-handed on the weekend. Loved it.
1: Yeah. Of course, where, of
2: course he did. Whereas now, they're all James coached Dave.
1: now to fall on the ball, aren't they? And it's like, well, one, yeah. it looks a bit showboaty, but there's... Sean, Sean Edwards, when he played league, was a master of running in and then just whipping the ball down with one hand, straight down. Yeah, I love
2: that shit.
1: Whilst still running full as, pace, you know.
2: As long as you're putting it down with enough force, even if you drop it, chances are that it's not going to come away from your hand quick enough for anyone to notice before you smack the thing down. Well, I do miss oh. that.
1: I know it's a terrible old man nostalgia thing, but I do Me miss too. that, whipping the ball down with one hand. Yeah. Anyway, so what, what was he talking about then? Decision making. Uh, we were talking about we? Elliot Daly, Elliot Daly. For, yeah, making. Mike Brown wing. Yeah, I don't yeah. get it. If he, it. It's it's almost weird with with it. This is why I feel sorry for the players, really, because Eddie Jones is making stupid fucking decisions.
2: Yeah, and he's meant, ladies and gentlemen, I give
1: you P is fu- I said it last week. P is fucking Francis. If he is an international rugby player, then I am the lead singer of the Supremes.
2: <laughs> well. um... <laughs> No, he doesn't make sense. Like it genuinely, I don't understand. Like I could understand what he sees in Brad Shields demonstrably. Absolutely. I Brad, yes. I think Brad Shields is going to be a very good player for England.
1: Looked pretty happy um, he came on.
2: Um, Amusingly, yeah. I still don't think he's going to be a good seven for England. But you know, whatever. <laughs> we're, we're past it's the point. Tom Prolo looked all it? right. He did without actually looking like a proper seven yet. Like you know, doing anything at the breakdown. Anyway. um... Yeah, I just don't see... But that's the English way. (laughs) Yeah, I don't see what he offers. Like, genuinely, I am coming up very short
1: about that. Don't get it about Kit Piers Francis at all.
0: However you like to do it, indoors, outdoors, in the gym or playing the field, you know that being fit comes with benefits. At Lifestyle Sports we have the sportswear for you Brands that turn you on Innovation that gives you the edge And no strings of dice. So you can choose life with benefits Style with benefits Sports with benefits Your life, your style, your sports At LifestyleSports.com Acast recommends Podcasts we love Changemakers is a new podcast series With me, Claire McKenna
1: Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to, right now.
2: No, it's it's just, no, don't get it. Like, it it doesn't make any sense. I remember when
1: I used to to switch to football for a minute, when I used to play Championship Manager on the PC, have you ever Mm -hmm. played that game? And lots of people listening probably do. You were always really attracted to people with foreign names when you were transferring them. <laughs> so if you had a choice Lassiter, between sort yeah. of buying like Mickey Jones and mm. Francesco Della Fuente della Huila or whatever, yes, you'd go, exactly. oh, he sounds better. He sounds better. Like, and, you'd ask, yeah. and you'd ask your computer coach guy, what do you think of him? And he'd go, he's not good enough. And he'd say, I'm siding him anyway. And I think yeah. that's the super rugby thing with Piers Francis, isn't it? There's no way he's better yeah. than Lazowski. There's no way he's better than something nope. like that. And, and yet Really there he is. not
2: better. He's really not better than Ozowski, particularly at 13. (laughs) Holy shit. But here we are. Here we are. Honestly, Eddie is at the point now where his whole fucking thing is on a bloody knife edge. We're a year out from the World Cup, and when everything should be sort of building to a nice boil, and, you know, all the ingredients should be melding... You know, it should be starting to smell good. I've taken this food analogy too far. <laughs> um, but no, you know, it should all be, you know, coming together by now. And instead, the wheels seem to be coming off at a fucking rate of knots.
1: See, it makes me feel much better. <laughs> Weirdly comforted. Because yeah. I think, you know, since 2003, having a malaise in the run up to a World Cup is what makes me feel, it makes me proud to be English.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Fuck your Brexit. That's true patriotism right there. Never mind free Tommy
1: Robinson. That's what you've been marching through the streets of London about.
2: Yeah. But honestly, like, with every. And the worrying sort of subtext from the whole thing is that, like, with each England defeat, it honestly does feel like a proper war between the RFU and Premiership Rugby is getting more and more likely. Like, honestly, the crowd had barely left the stadium before certain corners were claiming that they lost because Premiership clubs aren't getting players in the right condition for test rugby and that's why Eddie Jones has to push them so hard in training and that Nonsense. argument well it might not be totally off the mark there might you know there might be an issue with English clubs and conditioning and the way that and the style that they play compared to super rugby teams etc etc but it doesn't seem like Faf de Klerk's conditioning was a problem does it
1: it doesn't or Ville La Rousse,
2: for that matter. the busiest
1: fucker going.
2: Yeah, uh, England's problems are all about, about more than conditioning. And anybody with a bit of sense knows that. But instead, it just reverts to fucking the two sides taking pops at one another through the press. And, you know, they, they need to start working together to sort it out instead of throwing blame around. But it just doesn't feel like we're anywhere near that happening at the moment.
1: One thing that I learned this weekend again, I had it certainly <clears> reinforced <throat> again, is that Johnny May should not be allowed in midfield under any circumstances. <laughs> it's like somebody puts a scalpel in the hand of a baboon and throws it into an operating theatre and then hoping that it'll do something productive.
2: However, Johnny May on the wing... Oh, yeah! As I, yeah, as yeah. I will come to him in my good later... Yes.
1: Running yeah. in a straight line towards the try line, no problem. Yeah. In midfield, having to actually think or do anything resembling human-like cognizance, no.
2: Well, yeah, you. I mean, he wasn't the worst decision maker in that backline on Saturday, but it wasn't exactly a, a cast of impeccable quality all around him either. So, yeah,
1: it. It's it's time to it give up with Henry a, Slade, I think. By the way.
2: Oh well, fucking. You know, that was in my. He was in my shits, but let's talk about him now. Let's do like. It. It's going to be much harder for him to be the anointed future of England's midfield if he keeps in shitting the bed quite so enthusiastically every His time. His he a really
1: strange shape. I really can't get on with shape,
2: it. Bizarre shape. Truly odd. Um, it's like almost every, like every time he does something good, he follows it up with a mistake. And you can't do that at this level. And he's got all the fucking talent in the world, but no, it's just not working, is it? I think Lazowski's
1: got to come in at 13 next week, basically. I think and maybe have a second rower on the bench, you know, something like that.
2: Radical idea, but I don't think he'll catch on. I mean, Springboks are putting a 37-year-old man on the bench just to take the piss, so...
1: Should we let's... talk about Highland um, Australia, or do you want to do Wales next?
2: We, we should. Let's talk about, you know... I learned that Ireland are going to need more than brawn at the breakdown to win a World Cup.
1: Oh, yeah. Lots of moaning, like, going back to Neil Francis, yes, about illegal about, turnovers. Yeah. Misses the point that. <laughs> what a turnover it is. Well, yeah, there's that. And also the yeah. fact that even if they were illegal, that sometimes happens. That the ref allows yeah. this shit to happen. And it actually happens quite regularly. So if you've not got a way of dealing with that, then stop fucking moaning. fucking
2: problem. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And to be honest with you, Ireland have dominated the breakdown this year against pretty much every team they've faced. because Yeah. But (laughs) But they've done that primarily as a result of like power and physicality in the contact area and just fucking smashing people off the ball and being ridiculously physical with it. Not necessarily through what you'd call the most perfect technique and reading of the game and all those sort of Arts of the Open Side, et cetera, et cetera. Um but then when you come across something like the two headed, you know. Creative Hydra fuck tangle of Pocock and Hooper, physicality will get you a long way. But when you come up against a truly elite breakdown specialist, you can hit that ruck as hard as you fucking like. And you are not shifting David Pocock. No. Not Sorry. even who himself, I must say Absolute game. I know I've got a massive... Ludicrous. I've got it
1: written down here. Pokok is a ludicrous player.
2: Unbelievable. Like, instantly, comes back into Test Rugby, instantly best seven in the world again. Done. Even Don't with a six even. on his back. It's incredible. Even with a six on his back. Best open side flanker in the world. Like, ah.
1: When the Anthems were on like, Saturday, my daughter was sat next to me. He was 14. Mm-hmm. And it panned across, it panned past Michael Hooper. And she went, has he got something wrong with his face? <laughs> Yeah. Wow. I said, no, he just looks like an idiot farm farmhand, it? <laughs> yeah, so there's that. And yet they yeah, need to, they need to have a plan B. The weird thing was that point you made about the press thing with Ireland. I actually started writing a tweet, probably round about, just before Australia scored that, that first try against a run of play. Mm-hmm. I started writing a tweet saying, Ireland are starting to do that pressing in all areas thing that they do. Yeah. This doesn't look like this is going to go well. Then Australia scored that try. And I'm thinking, thank God they scored that before I got finished typing. Because <laughs> everything fucking me. changed with that yeah. try. And it Absolutely was only seven instant. points. It didn't take the game away from Ireland. But no. it, it, either Austra- Australia just seemed to spark into life or Ireland just seemed to go, well, I don't know what to do now.
2: Yeah, well, Pocock was just like, Pocock might not be the captain of the Wallabies anymore. But like, he is a fucking game winner. And he is the absolute heartbeat of that team. And you could see he played well up to then. But like getting that try, it was just like he grew an extra couple of inches and put on an extra couple of stone and was just everywhere like their defense, you compare their defense with him yesterday to without him last year. I know they beat the All Blacks last year, but fucking
1: hell, their scramble defense actually all game was unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Even when Ireland got behind the line, got through their line, the speed at which they got back in position, and then left Ireland with not much choice but to do that sort of you know pressing game that they did. Yeah. And um, and I forgot the point I was going to make then. It was a bit of a calculated
2: gamble from Joe Smith, though, wasn't it? Cause, you know, that's that was the point much... I was going
1: to make about selection, if that's what you're coming yeah, on to. It was,
2: it was basically a first-choice Wallaby team. and Yeah,
1: and he's gone for blood in about six or seven players who perhaps are yeah. first-choice and stuff like that. Yeah,
2: and, and you know it's a big ask to drop any player into an to... away test in the Southern Hemisphere. These but... players have
1: got to get game, meaningful game time somewhere, haven't yeah. they? And there's no point in playing them at home in the autumn against Samoa or something. You know exactly. they, they'll get a better exposure playing for Leinster in the European Cup. You know, it's- yeah,
2: hundred percent, and it's entirely correct. Like, if Joe Schmidt wins this series two-one, or they lose it two-one, or whatever, if hmm. in twelve months' time he can be going into the World Cup with a squad of players where even the reserves have <laughs> played meaningful minutes <laughs> against a big Southern Hemisphere team away from home and understand the psychological and physical pressure that that sort of environment brings, then he won't give a fuck that they lost, really. You know, it's... it's As much as I'm sure he would have liked to have sort of done the England thing and won 3-0 down here, he's bigger picture in this.
1: Yeah, and I think it's... And I've been guilty of sort of looking back at the England thing and going, oh, maybe it wasn't as good as it was. It was, because it's bloody hard to go to Australia and win 3-0. Yeah. You know.
2: But at the same time, this Australian team are... Well, certainly, you never know with fucking Australia, but on evidence of this weekend, this Australia team are a much more solid proposition than the team that England beat two years ago. Yeah. They just look more together.
1: Paul Williams tweeted at one point during the game, Kirkley Beale is playing second, first, second, and third receiver all at once somehow. And it yeah. was he was remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Yeah. And and it's
2: yeah, he was going to be another of my goods, but fuck it, let's talk about him oh, now. Yeah, like, sorry. He brings something like if you're going to stick a functional sort of you know, let's be honest about Bernard here.
1: Hmm.
2: He's a functional ten. You know, he's oh,
1: the, the
2: he's, <laughs> he's the wallaby down bigger. Let's be honest. Yes, he does his job. He kicks his goals. He inspires great confidence at sometimes and great derision at others. But you put a player like beale outside him at twelve, and that's exactly what you need. You know, he's got such a running threat and such a passing threat and such a kicking threat. You know, he's everywhere. And he was everywhere, and when Beal's on one, you forget how fucking good he. Because exactly. he's he can be so up and down. You forget that when he's up,
1: fucking. I reckon he's got a Samson thing going on now. He's got that mullet back. The back mullet <laughs> it seems to be working. It seems to be <laughs> a lot better. That
2: was always, just, you know, that was peak Beal. So, but it's
1: just, he's just he's like so languid and wonderful to watch when he was in that kind of form, isn't he? That Like he, he has this kind of effortless searing pace and movement about him, not searing pace, but his pace and movement and the way he just holds the ball and moves it on. It's like kind of like, like Zidane in football, you know, he has this yeah. kind of extra couple makes, of seconds to.
2: He makes the hard things look easy yes. and he looks like he's got time and yeah, it's.
1: Yes, it was uh, quite remarkable. Yeah. Um, now, another thing I've learned this week when I watching this game is that no matter how much I try, I can't leave the TMO thing alone. Oh, fucking hell. Now, yeah, well. given everything that's been going on, here goes, right? I'm revving up now. Given everything mm-hmm. that's been going on, I didn't particularly want Israel out to score a kind of heroic match nope. try nope. either, to be honest. But nope. the institutionalizing of the fucking teacher's pet smart ass grassing that the TMO has become is getting absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Because it, yeah. it felt like about twenty minutes had gone past before we started looking at somebody tackling <clears> somebody yeah, off the ball abs- about fifteen feel... minutes before that yeah, had, no had, had no impact no on the bearing. fucking no game bearing whatsoever. On the
2: at all. And to be honest with you, it wasn't the only thing. CJ Standers chalked off effort. That wasn't. Oh. That was. That was. That was TMO semantics changing the result of a game again.
1: I'd love to see how they are actually assessed because I'm pretty sure they're being rewarded for this stuff. The whole system is creating rewards for the wrong thing. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's like rerunning the Brexit referendum because somebody jumped the queue at the polling station in 1983 <laughs> at the general election. It's fucking unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's 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 a solution. It's a solution
2: to a problem that didn't particularly exist that has created a, a fucking cacophony of other problems. I mean, the fact that we're operating in a world where a try gets chalked off because either the ref didn't ask the right question and so, therefore, <clears throat> a try gets chalked off or a try gets chalked off for, you know, something happening in an in a adjacent county in 1974. And yet, at the same time, you then look at that All Blacks France game and you think, what the fucking hell are they watching? It's like, stop fucking looking at off-the-ball fucking handbags and start looking at players getting their fucking skulls caved in. Radical idea. But apparently, no. Uh, Or, you know, look out for the things that you're supposedly banging on about how fucking important it is. Because I don't want to be all like World Rugby wants the All Blacks to win, blah, blah, blah. Because it's bollocks. it's no, Tim hat, nonsense, Tinfoil yes. hat nonsense. However, the lack of any kind of action for those two very serious incidents of clear fucking red card head contact, and particularly the Remy Grosso one, because fucking hell, that's sickening. And to not cite either of them either. And they got
1: a double skull fracture there? Yeah.
2: And because both players came in with leading with a shoulder, swinging their arms at different sides of his head. And yet World Rugby has as well. The sighting commissioner hasn't cited either of them.
1: And that's that the me, weird thing. I don't understand referees, you know, yeah. in, in the middle of it all. But when the... And even,
2: you know, I don't give TMO much of the benefit of the doubt because they should catch it and know it. But if those two, that's what the sighting commissioner is there for. It's to miss, it's to, you know, it's to... Catch these things that slip through the net, and fucking hell! If that is someone gonna have to die before this, because you know, so let's I, be I honest, it's a laugh, but yeah, it's a, no, well, it's, it's it's absurd. But we're you know, somebody got a fucking double skull fracture. It is difficult to,
1: just to play the other side of it for a minute. That the, there's a whole issue about is it somebody's fault if yeah. the tackled player or the attacking player brings their head into the plane of you know where the <laughs> I, shoulders I, I, and I the completely... arms are. It'd be a bit like in baseball somebody putting the head right above the plate and then saying <laughs> yeah. you hit me in the head with a ball that's well out of yeah. order. So no, I don't know I do it's it's the, I, and I'm not trying to say these things shouldn't be punished, but I'm saying it's hard to get that what do you, what's a tackle player not leave with the shoulder? Right, I'm not talking about this incident. I'm talking about yeah. generally, you know, flying in with just your shoulder at any height is a no-no yeah. now and should be yeah. punished severely. You know, wherever it hits, really, it's that's a technical yeah. problem that needs to stop. But there's a lot of them where it is actually something that looks like a tackle, and the you know, if you if you if you're six foot tall and you stoop your head, I've always made this point before about when you, the number of times when you're on your phone and you go to press something. And mm-hmm. then the screen loads and moves and you end up pressing the wrong thing. Yeah. And that's your thumb travelling yeah. what? Ten millimetres. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> running full pelt and trying to time this stuff right. And I'm not I'm not an apologist for rough play, and I'm also not a games gone soft guy at all. But I don't know how you referee it fairly. Or uh, not fairly, well, but I think get the balance right. I don't know. I, I can't think of the right thing to know, say. They're trying.
2: You can say, you know, it, it should, you know, Grosso's, what, six foot two.
1: Hmm.
2: At no point, you know, say like four inches below or five inches below his head is, you the know, nipple. the nipple. Well, let's just call it a foot below his head is the nipple. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, at no, you know, realistically, no rugby player should be aiming for to tackle somebody at five foot off the ground really
1: no not really
2: and that's that's not what you know the whole point you can of come in and wrap the things... ball as a
1: second man i suppose at that height but yeah not, not full tackle yeah
2: no and and i know this is the whole thing that world rugby is trying to go is trying to get the point of impact lower you know it wants it to be in the solar plexus but if where you bring the point of supposed... impact
1: lower then the attacking player basically tries to ducks their head down to try and shoulder you know to get to, to get the to drop the shoulder yeah. in yeah is it still the tackler's fault then
2: no and I think there needs to be a certain degree of sympathy for it but, rugby incident uh, the, as they say and all that Rugby incident indeed but I think in this case particularly fucking hell there's
1: No I mean he he was leading full pace with the shoulder like the lad in yeah. the, the under 20s it was there's no yeah. excuse for it
2: And and you know we do have to it's it's not you know it might not be deliberate Intent matters, not a fucking job. No,
1: it's a reckless thing. It's reckless. If you're running full pelt with just your shoulder and not your arms, then it's reckless and you're off.
2: Yeah. And it's also like you can say that, and you can rightly say that, you know, it's very easy to fuck up and to hit something that you're not meant to hit with. But that's where they have to, you know, and that's where World Rugby wants them to take that potential element of recklessness and mistake out of it. And... And not go. Oh well, there's a 30, you know a ten percent chance that if I run in this direction at this speed at this angle, then I'm gonna fucking smash this bloke in the head. Oh well. Yeah. It's you know, World rugby wants people to go. Oh well, there's a ten percent chance that that will happen, and if I do, I will get sent off. So instead, so I, won't I will not do it. Yes. I will adjust my angle to air to make it a 0% chance. And therefore, there's a slight, also a 10% chance that that might go badly for my team. But
1: I think basically, the end game, whether we like it or not, and I'm not sure I dislike it that much either, really, the end game is passive tackling. The end game is getting people back to Ring of Steel style, hit people on the side. Like you were coached back in the day as a kid, you come in with your head behind their arse. Yeah. And you get your ring of steel going and you drop them that way. And that's really, I think, what they're trying to get everything back to. And I suppose it'll never go completely back to that. But there's a point at which I imagine some defensive coaches are going to say, I'm sick of the penalties. I'm sick of having cards. Let's yeah. adjust the way we do things. It, it, yeah. it, if it's successful, people will start doing it. It's as simple as that, really.
2: Exactly. And if somebody can work out, and, you know, defensive coaches are very clever. That's partly why rugby has struggled with its attacking problem for the last and it's had to change its rules so dramatically over the last 10 years is that defensive coaches are fucking better than attacking coaches
1: it's easier to defend it it's is a simple thing to work out yeah
2: and and it's a simple thing and to plan for defensive coaches will work out ways to change the way that their players tackle to minimize penalties and cards while at the still time still being effective and there might be a bit of an awkward sort of transition period but it will happen and it'll only take one team to do it. And then all of a sudden everyone will do it like the blitz, you know, like the, like the choke tackle. It's just, you know, these things catch on incredibly quickly when they happen. But Hmm. for the the world rugby needs to start fucking taking it seriously in sighting commission. Like I don't know. Gus Pichot basically said on Twitter (laughs) today, for me, that's a red card.
1: Now pass me that second declare.
2: Yeah, now pass me that second declare and get fucking Gosper in here immediately. (laughs) Um, So I don't know whether World Rugby are going to get involved as they can do, or whether we'll get another URG or whatever the hell that thing was called. I love that you've got
1: that queued up. Excellent. (laughs) On the soundboard. Nice.
2: Um,
1: Yeah, yeah. So let's leave that. We've gone on for ages.
2: Yeah, uh, too that, long.
1: That was Ireland, was it? Ireland, Australia,
2: and with a bit of Aust- and with a bit of New Zealand, also. <clears throat> um, yeah, do we need to really talk about New Zealand? France? It was a fucking. It was competitive for forty minutes, and then it was an absolute humping.
1: Here's some interesting um, stats on that game. Yeah. New Zealand ran six hundred and fifteen meters. Yeah, in total, France ran two hundred and forty-three. Not great, is it? No, uh, possession was sixty six thirty four, territory sixty nine thirty one. Interestingly, France had a better tackle completion rate. <laughs> That's because they were New just Zealand. doing a
2: lot more of it. They
1: would literally made twice the tackles, one hundred and eighteen tackles to New Zealand sixty nine, pretty much. Yeah, twice the tackles. But yeah, and then of course Maxime Medard's baffling Unmittedly effort to tackle. Bad. <laughs> now you talk about people who can't tackle normally anymore. If he'd had done the Ring of Steel head to behind the arse. He would have He'd dropped be him touch. before the line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, for reasons that I did, a bit like Elliot Daly, I don't know what you. took. Why did you <laughs> no. run round the front just, of him? He
2: just ran and sort of and then, basically just please, Mike, cap me, please. <laughs> and then tried
1: to gently put his arm round and just say, "Come on, mate, we've all had a drink." And then just yeah, yeah. How bad
2: was Aaron Smith's haircut in direct proportion to how good Aaron Smith was? <laughs> Anyway. I'll tell you what
1: though not he a shit house, Aaron Smith? Though
2: absolutely, but I we interestingly, I know it feels like I had a very exciting time in Penarth, but I saw a man on Penarth Pier with that exact haircut yesterday. Respect.
1: I also and like Arlie Surveyor, Aaron's yeah. up the up, he's up the <laughs> yeah. ante here. So what can Headband. I do? That's... Headband.
2: Yeah, I, I'm fully in support of that. Make it an every week event. <laughs> but yeah, Aaron Smith, unbelievable shit house unbelievably good scrum off and embarrassed not bad either
1: I will not rest until everybody who plays rugby for the All Blacks basically has hair and looks and dresses like Alan Iverson
2: yeah I'm all over that
1: same fashion like as everything I'd like a bit
2: I'd like to throw a few Dennis Rodmans in there if I'm totally honest that'd but, be beautiful
1: wouldn't it uh, we can dream all um, the bad boys <laughs> of the NBA look <laughs> Yeah so uh that was yeah talk? that that leaves us on that we talk, do you want to talk about wales now do you find, yeah, you, we find you, you find you got nothing to say after such a competent and i kind of haven't
2: really like one of the things that i think is that wales should honestly consider trading one of their open side flankers to england for a couple of decent tight heads because as much as tom Curry put in a decent performance like the fact that english pundits were like creaming themselves over a seven that had almost no impact on the breakdown whatsoever shows just how bad things are. Yeah. Whereas Wales started their fifth choice open side flanker against Argentina on Saturday night. He, he won looks three right, turnovers. He, he looked yeah, all right. Three turnovers, scored a try, made seventeen tackles and was man of the match. Boom. Easy. Second appearance as well. Whatever. Um yeah. And I take it for a couple of England's sort of third or fourth choice tight heads <laughs> that, you know, yeah. I take it. Let's make it happen. I mean, let's give him. Let's give him one of the ones we don't. Let's give him Ollie Griffiths. You know, he's really good. He's got massive arms. He's gonna be. He's probably gonna be really good. But he's like 17 millionth choice <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> yeah. We'll throw in Dan Lydia as well. Um, speaking of which, actually, I genuinely don't know how Gatlin picks his flankers for the Rugby World Cup next
1: year. It is a worry, isn't it? Well, it's well, not a said- worry for him. I imagine he's probably quite happy. We'll do every take. Good problem. But, with
2: that, yeah. But- he said he's only going to maybe be able to take five flankers to Japan next year. I'm presuming that three nailed on are probably Warburton, Tipperich and Moriarty. Yeah. Like, who out of Ellis Jenkins, Josh Navidi, Aaron Shingler, James Davis, Holly Griffiths and Dan Lydiate do you leave behind?
1: I'm assuming Ellis Jenkins goes because of this whole, you know, uh, succession Being. planning into captaincy thing.
2: I would imagine so. But then, who do you, do you then not take... Aaron Shingler, mm. do you not take Josh Navidi? Do you not take, I mean, after the weekend, do you not take James Davis? Like, he doesn't like fuck?
1: James Davis and he won't take him anyway. <laughs> no, we would we, we take him, but he, he won't. He'd, he'd have love
2: an excuse not to take him. <laughs> yeah. but if he,
1: you know. But it was just so, it was just so horribly 100%. proficient, wasn't it? Yeah,
2: <laughs> it was, it was, they looked like old whales. They looked like 2012 era whales when, like, they were at their best under Gatland, I think. That two thousand twelve Grand Slam season.
1: Mm.
2: Like they weren't the most free flowing team, but when they had a chance on attack they took it and they were fucking relentless in defence. Like that's what Wales looked like on Saturday night. They had three chances to score in the Argentine twenty two and they scored two of them. And the rest of the game they made ninety three percent of their two hundred odd tackles. Like, Amazing. they won they won that game incredibly comfortably despite having, like, 30% te- territory and 30% possession.
1: Which says something for their defence, it says something to the fact that it wasn't a great day for Argentina, was it?
2: <clears throat> oh, they were shockingly bad. They literally were like... They looked like they'd expected to rock up there and just smash that Wales pack into a fine paste. And then after about 10 minutes when it became clear that the opposite was happening and the Wales players were flying out of the line like rockets and stopping everything behind the game line... They just didn't have another thought of what to do. There was no plan B. And, like, I don't understand how a team that has players in it who've been as mad as the Haguara's have been mad over the last couple of years, why they didn't just go, lad, should we just chuck it about like lunatics again and see what happens? Because if they'd have done that, they might have won that game. Because as much as organised as that Welsh team was, no defence can really... Hmm. Cope with extended periods of having insanity inflicted upon them, because you can't legislate for it. And
1: yeah, they it's, just were so. It's clear the Harvey Parks effect, though, isn't it? He's just bringing this calm proficiency. So calm across the look, whole thing. Yeah.
2: He's got like nine caps, and he <laughs> plays like a man who's got ninety-nine caps. Yeah,
1: everything about and him just says, "Lads, should have
2: ninety-nine. Everything's
1: caps, going to be okay." Yeah, and everyone believes it. Without him even saying it,
2: I know the All Blacks are a different gravy, but like the fact that they just wouldn't—that he wasn't even playing Super Rugby—and yeah, like, are you telling me that he wouldn't do a job at 12 for the All Blacks and be really good?
1: Well, he's very Ryan Crotty-esque.
2: He's incredibly Ryan Crotty-esque, actually. Thinking about it, and yeah, in the same way, he's big, he's physical, and he doesn't make many mistakes.
1: Yeah, does everything right. Makes the yeah. right decisions. He has all the skills that you need without it being too flashy. Can pass, yeah. short and long, can kick, defends yeah. well. Good decision and maker. Ne-
2: never does anything, like, not even 2% more than what it needs to be.
1: And the All Blacks, one of the great All Blacks teams, I think thinking this at the weekend, have always had that player, haven't they? Yeah. They've got Crotty now. They had yeah. Dan Carter before he moved to 10. Yeah. They had... Um, they had Conrad Nonu Smith who, for Virginia. years, not yeah. even at twelve either, but they always had yeah. this one set Bunt Frank Bunts was a physical man, yeah. but brilliant decision maker, brilliant defender, you know.
2: Yeah. And you know Nonu as well at twelve. He did not yeah. make you know yeah, he might not have been a great kicker until his later years, but he just he did the obvious thing. He did the straightforward thing. Yeah. You know, and the times when the all blacks have been not their best is where, you know, like the periods where they had like Luke McAllister at twelve. Because Luke McAllister is a, a fucking box of fireworks waiting to be left unattended. And yeah, they kind of need that stable, sort of reassuring presence mm. at 12. And thankfully, they've given one to Wales now. So thank you very <laughs> fucking much.
1: Well done. Yeah. So yeah. I was sat there, I'd come in from watching Solos, I'd recorded the first half. Nice. And I was watching it just going, this is just really, really odd. Yeah. And I was like, I, I've got nothing to tweet. I no, don't. I don't know I, what to say about this. It's just. Yeah,
2: a... <laughs> I mean, I was so devoid of any kind of snarky slash angry yeah. things to tweet. I was ended up tweeting about why one of the medics in the crowd was wearing a fucking head torch and a <laughs> and a, a caving helmet. Which I still don't understand, by the He's way. He's off to rescue um, some
1: Chilean miners immediately afterwards.
2: Exactly. That was uh, He was worried that there were, a fault would appear in the middle of the pitch <laughs> and some players might get stuck down there. But yeah, long um, may
1: it continue, I suppose, from your point of view. Yeah, but...
2: It was just there. Yeah, the defence was like, Warren Gatlin needs to chuck Sean Edwards' phone into the fucking Argentine Sea immediately. <laughs> because he said, and he said, you know, oh, I won't stand in the way of him. Stand in the fucking way of
1: him. Like, well, I'll host another the wave him. I'll run him over.
2: Yeah. Like, he doesn't sound massively confident that Edwards is still going to be there in a year's time. But the way that Wales... You know, Sean Edwards has been the best defence coach in the world over the last 10 years. Andy Farrell probably is that now. But there are very few... Better in the world, are coaching teams to defend with that organisation, the discipline, and the just fucking manic intensity. Like when that that big goal line stand in the first half that um Wales ultimately won a turnover off hmm. after about seventeen million, about three line out drives and about seventeen thousand phases on their own line, and part of it was just fucking. Our know, Argentina have run out of ideas here, but. It was just morale sapping. You could Mm. see every... And there were moments where it was just like, oh, here it goes. And somehow, a Wales player not only got a body in front of it, but they sort of... It looked like all the player had to do was fall over over the line, and it was a try. And it was just that classic Edwards, no, I'm going to somehow contort your body so that you, instead of going forwards, end up going at a strange (laughs) 45-degree angle and end up back on the wrong side. And... He does that so well, and he coaches that so well. And Wales will... like. I'm sure Wales will get a good defensive coach if he goes, but I'd be surprised if they get one as good as Edbuns.
1: He's getting getting a bigger job next, isn't he? That's Well, he's been a head coach before as well, remember? So he's he's been a head coach. coach. He's won everything as a head coach domestically. He's then gone and done this assistant job with the Lions with Wales... There's yeah. no way he's not looking for an international job next.
2: Yeah, yeah. and that's why I, I genuinely hope that if England come calling, he just goes to be defence coach. His response is, yeah, no, i
1: have
2: kind of doing that already, yeah. to be honest. And, and he's also working with both the Ospreys and the Dragons next year on their defence, which seems mad, by the way. But <laughs> it's not because how do you do that?
1: I suppose it's a team Wales thing, is it? say, actually, it is definitely
2: a team Wales thing. But it's like, <laughs> it
1: is, a bit is odd, he
2: isn't gonna, it? is he gonna analyze
1: like the? Ospreys how do you feel of- about somebody telling another team how your team defends as an Ospreys
2: yeah.
1: fan? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a little
2: bit weird. But you know, such is the stupidity of Welsh rugby. The
1: greater good.
2: Yes, indeed. Um, Are we done? So yeah, it was. Well, should we brief Scotland? Yes, we, people got narky last week that we didn't cover Scotland. No, in the summer but fucking hell, lads and lasses, what is there to analyse about you working your way down the Americas, playing massively inferior teams mm. that offer little to no challenge? Like, when the time comes to play Argentina, we'll have a lot to discuss. But do not expect me to devote a lot of airtime on you the highlights that I watched.
1: It seemed to go yeah. okay.
2: It was fine. They, to be honest with you. I was a little bit underwhelmed because they didn't really seem to be doing the razzle dazzle. It was, let's have a rolling mall and just batter them. What would you
1: expect Which, with Rory Jackson at 10? They've got somebody with actual a very, sanity. A very good point.
2: Um, I did enjoy that's being said. Uh, Lewis Carmichael, the Debbie's and Tighthead cantering in from outside the 22, <laughs> yes. proving once again that props run better lines and centres these days. Did him? Um... So, yeah, there we go scotland oh, that, you won well did, done job done
1: i didn't notice because i wasn't because I, I hadn't noticed but Aaron wainwright did get on didn't he at the weekend therefore he his, did his, his nightmare of never that. getting a cap yeah <laughs> when
2: he came on i was just like oh thank fuck he's he's got his cap no one can ever take that away from him he played very he made like 17 tackles in 20 minutes or something absurd as well
0: Make it up he was
1: he's been pumped <clears> tell you what Since last week
2: bit of trivia mm. uh What's his face? Uh, Seb Davis, yeah. Great white hope of Welsh second rows being played in the back row for some reason. Hmm. Um he was on the pitch for sixty minutes and you know, he made like fifteen, sixteen tackles, but he had zero carries and zero passes in his entire time <laughs> on the field. <coughs> he did not he did not once touched the ball in an offensive capacity
1: he was basically an offensive tackle he in was rugby. basically
2: <laughs> hitting hitting rocks like a motherfucker and making sure that by the time the ball got away he was sort of just trotting what back was around this the you place,
1: Seb? left tackle <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> right uh, shall so we move yeah. on to shit go because we're banging on for ages
2: yeah we really have um, good go
1: la go mape yeah.
2: Lamar he defies belief and logic. He's five foot seven. I like that. And he runs like Jonah Lomo and tackle. I don't care how ripped you are, you shouldn't be able to physically dominate men that are like a foot taller than you, the way that he does as a five foot seven man. But he's like a ball of razors. He's incredible. I love watching him.
1: Say so what I thought was good this weekend. People being walk ten is back. Yes. On two occasions people got walk ten for gobbing off. Get in. It's More like of this. A
2: quiet word gone. You know what? This is getting out of hand now. It's More timed. of this sort of thing. Yeah, make it happen. Um, good for me, Johnny May. Honestly, <laughs> you said about the things he wasn't good at earlier.
1: Well, that's kind of my thing. But yeah, go on.
2: Honestly, he's been he was excellent on Saturday when he was on the wing, and the way that he put players in space quite a few times was really good, and his defence was very good. If you don't play him at fullback, you know, it tends. to... And he's gone very well all season in a very average England, you know, in a, in a really down year. He went year to Leicester
1: and just changed who he was.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but stopped, but carried on just scoring like a motherfucker. Hmm. And has scored really consistently for England this year. You know, he's in a, in an England team that has struggled to score tries. He's been the one scoring them.
1: Yeah. As long as you stay on the um, touchline, no problem. Yeah. He is very good at what
2: he does. And just don't ask him to do anything else. For the love of God, please.
1: What else was good? James Ryan's turnover. Oh. He basically <laughs> that put absurd. that bloke on his arse and just ripped yeah. the ball off him and ran yeah. off.
2: I will have it off you. To be honest with you, both the Irish locks in a losing cause were really fucking good on the weekend, I thought. Yeah. Like James Ryan, that was probably one of the best games I've seen James Ryan play, if not the best.
1: And that same summit.
2: And he lost. And he didn't deserve that, to be honest with you. <laughs> James Ryan never deserves to lose.
1: What have we got that's good from Twitter? Barbed Quill got in touch on Twitter out of Blood and Modern and said, Shields is line in midfield to fix the defender, giving him a space to score the last England try. Rarely seen from mm. a northern hemisphere back, let alone a forward.
2: True. The box were fucking knackered, mind.
1: They were. But even so.
2: Yeah, it was a it was a very nice try that, to be honest. And one of those tries where you assume that something must have happened. Because it was so easy. Yeah. It was like Who's taken somebody out in midfield there? Something skullduggerous has happened because it can't be that easy. It turns out it was just
1: that easy. Patrick Um, got in touch on Twitter and he said, good is the ridiculous, and you've already mentioned this, is the ridiculous level of back row depth that Wales have at the moment. Correct. mm -hmm. Jamie Phillips, long-suffering Dragons fan, but with something to be cheerful about this week, he says that good is Ross Moriarty. Back to his best after a tricky season, carried well, put in a huge defensive shift, 26 tackles, it was also the most tackles made by any player in a match involving a Tier 1 side last weekend. Niche funneled statistics.
2: I tell you what, though, Ross Moriarty hadn't played 80 minutes in a rugby match since that back injury for the Lions until he played oh, 80 on. minutes for Wales last week. Which A shows that Gloucester have hated having him this season and have kind of been proving a point. And also fucking hell he's good. Like you know he what? is back. He's back to proper bastard, Ross.
1: And also, all... there's the bastard thing and the physical thing. Yeah. But people forget, I think, two occasions he popped up outside what the... the 13 channel
2: yeah. with his a hands. rugby player
1: he is. He's What's such a, a good rugby fucking player rugby is. player. And we can all laugh about how he loves to fucking have a fight, which he does, which and we he adore him does. for. Which yeah. we fucking love him for. But actually, and I remember when I was singing his praises after his early – I wrote a column about it when I was writing for Rugby Path – and somebody came mm. and said, Oh, he's just, he's, you know, red rag to a bull with me, you know. He said, yeah. He's just Haskell, isn't he? I was like, Fuck off. Yeah. Yes, all right, when... he's physical, but I'm telling you, yeah. he is an infinitely better actual yeah. footballer.
2: Yeah. How many tries has James Haskell run in by appearing on the shoulder of somebody that's made a fucking clean break? None. He's just None really ever. comfortable
1: with a ball in his hands.
2: He is a proper or like, he is a fantastic rugby player, but he's also a fucking hard psychotic lunatic <laughs> who boom who is thoroughly invested in maintaining his family's reputation I love which that which is, is something else that I love I love that yeah yeah he's just he's just fully aware post that pictures
1: post... on Twitter of his dad having fights yeah and stuff yep.
2: yeah that's, that's what, what I'm, I'm going to do like yeah that's what I'm going to do it's like Ross 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 that oh, was I the think. 80s mate
1: I love it he must go home Please, must be to, he must go like home to his dad at weekends for Sunday dinner and stuff you know scored two tries in the week dad how many fights you have? None. Yeah. Not interested.
2: <laughs> Not interested. Don't care.
1: <laughs> what else have we got go and, ask, good.
2: go and ask your uncle about getting into fucking fights,
1: right? <laughs> oh, Richard, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, um, we've had loads of good on Twitter this week. are in really good mood, you lot. Um, yeah. Jay Wood got in touch. The good was du- Dwayne Vermeulen playing like he stepped out of a Game of oh. Thrones battle scene. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, yes.
2: It kind of makes you think if Razzie Erasmus' predecessors had been able to pick overseas players like Dwayne Vermeulen, um, would they still be in jobs?
1: Would Peter Devilliers still be a, a long running joke, basically?
2: Yeah, because like you look at Vermeulen's a fucking monster. And he's exactly the kind of monster that they haven't had for a couple of years. And oh, well, he was just in France all along. There he is. Fine. It's that live. Anywhere. It's
1: accept the reality thing, isn't it? They're all going to yeah. leave anyway. So, yeah. Why do you keep made people, with England? You see, I think them. if if all of England's first choice players fucked off to France next week, the RFU yeah. would have no choice but to change the rule.
2: Yeah. It was like 100%. when
1: twenty twenty cricket came in. They had to change yeah. the international calendar to accommodate yeah. it because people went, were oh, going to go and play it anyway.
2: Yeah. Oh, you're not playing in the IPL. Yeah, we are. Oh, <laughs> oh.
1: Yeah, well, it's exactly that. It's exactly that. And actually, England are managing to hold it because people will stay in the country. South Africa have actually accepted the fact that, look, you can either be shit as an international team because it's not stopping them. This rule no. is not stopping them. No. So, and they're
2: going younger and younger as a result. Yes. So, yeah, so, why so, not? So, you know,
1: accept the reality. Do you want to be right or do you want to be effective? Yeah. Goes anyway, for me. Yeah. Uh,
2: Bowden Barrett. It's boring, but fucking hell. Neil Finn from Crowded yeah. House. Yeah. But he runs better support lines than like any 10 I think I've ever seen. He's always there. Hmm. Like, he's always on the shoulder. And that's kind of an all black thing anyway, but particularly him, because he's got so much pace. He's just always there to be the fucking dickhead that turns up on the shoulder and flies over the line after somebody else has done the hard work.
1: Speaking of on the show, Murray Kinsella put a <laughs> video on Twitter last week. You see it where it was show, he, he analysed some of Ashton's runs in the Barbarians. Oh, yeah. It's amazing <laughs> how many times he starts his runs in front of play. He
2: really? Doesn't,
1: he doesn't even try and get behind the ball. If there's two people and he's ahead of them, he, he just starts running and knows they're going to come past him and that he'll be in a perfect position as it comes to the fact, the denouement the, 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 the of the move. That's yeah. the, And you Brown. know what? Mike Brown do that, is he? It's kind of uncoachable, that as well, because no, nobody you coaches can't. you to stand in front of yeah. the ball. You know, he just goes, no, I'm going to actually, I'm going to start, I'm going to start 10 metres in front and just cut this angle because I know that actually, I can see yeah. in my mind where this is going to go.
2: Yeah. You can stamp your feet and say, Mark Brown's a fucking test winger, mate, <laughs> as much as you fucking want.
1: <laughs> yes, you can. You can do that. Yeah.
2: You can do that, but you can't fucking teach what Chris Ashton knows as yeah. on pure instinct. And... Yeah. I...
1: What Speaking of which,
2: understood? Cody Taylor, fucking hell. Yeah. Where where are New Zealand finding these ridiculously dynamic, exciting hookers with terrible haircuts? I don't understand. Hard as nails as well. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing. Not just a fucker either. A proper monster of a man.
1: Oh, so we got this good. Rhiannon Garth Jones got in touch on Twitter. Hello, Rhiannon. She said, at Blood and Mud, she said, uh, yeah, Scott Brits being called up by the box is very, very good and also quite funny.
2: It is funny because he's, he's not probably not going to play, no. but he's just been called up to for him to go,
1: so all these Saracens lads,
2: yeah? Tell us their weaknesses.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maro toji buys a fucking dummy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but only the yeah, tiniest good. of dummies. Anything too obvious yeah, is too cla- yeah. He's too classy yeah. to fall for that. You have to. Yeah. Got to be,
2: you've got to really work on those twitch muscles to make <laughs> it just <laughs> the slightest little.
1: Yeah. we've got here? David Tweedyatrix going to touch on Twitter. He said, "Good was the Welsh Rugby History Pod on, on Patreon. Thank you. I didn't pay yeah. him to do that either. He just said that. If you want to get your hands on it, then you're going to, have to go sign up at patreoncom Blood and Mud. Also, that's where we'll be putting our summer stuff as well. We don't know what it is yet, but that's where we'll be going. We haven't decided what things are, but
2: there will be summer stuff.
1: Right, so you mean what's a shit? Because this has been going on for what feels like about a week.
2: Yes, it does, and it's really hot. So, (laughs) and I'm slightly melting. Um, Tell you what was shit, and this brings me no pleasure. Shit was friend of the podcast, Robbie Henshaw.
1: No, he wasn't good, was he?
2: He's not played a lot of 13 this year, and boy, did it show. Like, on attack, he didn't do that thing that 13s good 13s do where he zips the ball out from the 13 channel and puts people in space he just kind of labored with it and fucking hell on defense man like the way that when you're playing 12 you can shoot out of the line like a madman because there's someone outside him to cover if you don't get there but he was doing that as the What's last of fucking...
1: the best of teams do shoot out the line and cut it off, yeah. but he was just uh, not quite pulling he it off. He was just
2: doing it. it in a sort of 12 kind of way where it's <laughs> yeah. like, ah, oh, well, I'm just going to fucking go for it all the time. And if I miss it, there's a guy out There's no guy outside you, Robbie. He's, there's nobody there. And he sometimes he got the big hit on because he's a good defender and mm. a big lad. But that, you know, in the first try shot out of the line and then everybody else is lost at sea and then. Bernard Foley scores, you know, he needs to be back at 12 ASAP and they need Gary Ringrose back.
1: Ringrose will make a massive difference when he's back. Um, Huge difference. Shit for me is fucking Mark Robson, man. Did you hear him on Sky on Saturday? You might not have done it. You were in Penarth or whatever, but... uh, Oh, oh I was
2: on I did hear him. I wish I hadn't. It's
1: just like, why are you still Why are you talking all the time? The whole point of a visual medium (laughs) is that you don't have to fucking talk all the time. People always talk about Richie Bennell, the cricket commentator, don't they, and say, what was amazing about Richie, right, is the way that he used silence. And then no fucker Mm. ever uses silence ever since. And Robson in particular, it's just absolute waffle and bollocks all the time. (laughs) What did he call fucking flower at one point? The king of the airways, because he jumped off the ball. And there's well, the king of the airways, Israel Folau. Fuck off. And it's just like this I wall have, have of noise say, yeah. constantly.
2: As much as I find him personally distasteful, fuck me, Israel Falau was oh, incredibly good boy. in the he's air. such a good fucking rugby player.
1: The way that they just,
2: it seemed like the Irish tactic was, let's kick to Israel Falau a lot, <laughs> which seems like one of the stupidest tactics that anyone has ever done. Because he was, I mean, I also enjoyed the uh, rainbow flag with his face on it. But uh, that
1: was good. And uh, the Jacob really Stockdale's tackle, by the way, so we forgot to mention. That was a <laughs> oh yeah, as a sort of polar opposite at the end of the spectrum to Madard's effort. Yeah. that was a, yeah, that, that was full effort. I mean, to be it fair, was... Madard must be at least seventy by now. Yeah, so he did easy. well.
2: Easy. Uh, in, in contrast to what you said earlier, going to Twitter, uh, knee deep nineteen on Twitter said a uh, shit. Yeah. He's as good a solid win by a very youthful Scotland side. Um shit, Chris Harris. The highlight being his attempted scrum put in Yes, it happens. It makes me <laughs> I didn't want to see donate. That a, bit. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it made me want to donate a pound a month to stop this selection from happening again. He he's mad. also said shit the uh, the Keith Russell affair at the SIU as well, which I've been sort of vaguely I'm following. I'm vaguely
1: aware we're not Reddit, but it's something no. isn't it is its it something Basically, dodgy Finn going on?
2: Ben Russell's dad got sacked. Who was a uh, very well regarded as a uh, um, as a administrator in Scottish rugby got uh, got sacked. Uh, like I think maybe like last year or something, something like that. Anyway, it basically appears to transpire that Mark Dodson, the uh, chief executive of the SIU, kind of sacked him just because he didn't like his faiths. Really, it seems, um, and kind of and has won it's gone to court and let's be honest
1: we've all been there you just can't do it though you know
2: yeah and the judge has basically kind of poured a lot of scorn onto the way that um the SIU runs itself and that it's a basically a bit of a dictatorship the judges are saying
1: what kind of cockamamie show are you running at the SIU Basically, yeah, you know,
2: they're they're saying it's it's being run like a dictatorship. They're saying that you know everything is kind of being done without any real oversight from from the board of the SIU. It's kind of come out of nowhere because, to be honest, the US the SIU looks like a really fucking well run organization from the outside, mm. and it's kind of said that you know they're basically it's basically being run like a fucking little banana republic up there. So. It's, it's a bit worrying, and it would be interesting to see what comes of that. And you've got to wonder if this whole thing, given that it's Finn Russell's dad, how much of a part did that play in him buggering off to Rassi Metro this year? You have year to do well. think about that, don't you? Rassi say, like, likes to do, yeah.
1: Get yourself out of here, lad. Cause...
2: It's, yeah, it's, it, the whole thing, you know, and I, I don't pretend to be an expert on it, but the whole thing just looks very unfortunate for Scottish rugby at a time when everything seems to be going so well. And then it's nonsense that's got nothing to do with the players what or what needs on the to happen
1: is that the SRU need to order a long and wide-ranging investigation. The result of yeah. which will see Rob Andrew being promoted somehow <laughs> in the SRU. He is available.
2: I'm just yeah, saying. he will.
1: He'll end up being some elite position. Yeah, even if he isn't even interviewed or involved in it, <laughs> tell- that's what will happen.
2: I tell you, who else is is available? Andy bloody Robinson
1: is available. So, you know, just a four. <laughs> Oh, Andy, nice. he's such a dreadful rugby coach. Isn't he? <laughs> uh, What
2: well, else we've got this shit.
1: Will W. Family. Will W. Got in touch on Twitter. At, he's at King of Largo. He got in touch with that app, Blood and Mud. He said, shit was John Beatty senior's commentary on Adam Hastings. <laughs> Did you know who his dad is? I wonder if he'll be watching. Actually I referred to him as Gavin at one point. And kept telling everyone where he was standing on the pitch, like a pensioner pointing out a prize garden gnome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is a bit uh, rubbish. I like—I actually like John Beatty when he's doing interviews I've got and stuff.
2: Of Simon but um, I but I don't I find also, his commentary
1: very good. But yeah,
2: I also deeply enjoyed Eddie Butler calling Scott Williams Scott Gibbs at one moment, as if he'd suddenly stroked and like had lost the entire last twenty as, years. As somebody Welsh
1: pointed Welsh. out to me on Twitter, I can't remember who. I'm sorry. He was going full South American pronunciation of Spanish words. Oh word. massively so so Montoya became Montaga.
2: Wait. Uh, yeah.
1: Montoya. Yeah. And it's also basic- and he kept and he kept and he kept really giving it loads on De La Fuente. It was it was hilarious. Yes. The book was a de la Fuente <laughs>
2: Eddie the reason that Eddie Butler took this job from with Channel Four was not for the travel. It was because he would have the opportunity <laughs> to for two consecutive weeks pronounce continental names in a silly way.
1: <laughs> and joining goes in the commentary box for a few minutes is Ken Owen? you're I like Ken? All right. <laughs> yeah.
2: I enjoyed, I really he enjoyed was good, actually. being the most nakedly one-eyed co-commentator <laughs> I've ever seen, where everything Argentina did, it was just like, well, it's a shit, wasn't it, really? I mean, <laughs> well, I why the fuck Also, what's that? wrong
1: with the acoustics with those commentators? I know they're not actually <laughs> at the ground, are so they? But are they? I don't know, but it's just... Know, you know, and also,
2: but where are they? Have they basically just forced Ken Owens to come to a little fucking room in like Twickenham or something? I think or, so. You know, they're, Rich, obvi- they're obviously in a bunker London. somewhere, aren't they? Yeah, wherever the fuck Channel 4 is. But <laughs> it was just
1: Speaking it was very of him, silly. One-eyed co-commentators. Owen got in touch on Twitter and said that good was Hugo Monnier's Twitter for going full-on whoop-whoop Harlequins. when. <laughs> <laughs> when Mike Brown tundled over from three yards as if he was the second coming of Jason Robinson. He said then, shit, was Hugo Monier for then completely ignoring the remaining 20, uh, 78 minutes of Mike Brown, whoop, whoop, Harlequin's wing performance, where he looked as capable and interested as Eddie Jones in a personality counselling session. Excellent rant, Owen, I like that. <laughs> Uh, oh, shit. I've, you know, after what, well, we bring now this, unless you've got something else, we bring this four-hour um, podcast to an end.
2: <laughs> yes, my last shit was just going to be Wales fans. Right. Particularly, well, not right. all Wales fans, but a certain subset of sort of parochial moaning keyboard warriors. Oh, right. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Just can't even enjoy one of Wales's most professional performances that they've put in in years because they don't like Rob Howley or they don't like that Warren Gatlin picks players like Sam Warburton and Justin Tipperick sometimes. Uh, If if you're finding yourself griping about something after Saturday, have a fucking word with yourself.
1: You know what made me laugh, just to myself, was at the end of the game, Rob Howley stood up and he had a (laughs) t-shirt, an Under Armour t-shirt on, with Welsh rugby and massive letters on the (laughs) front of it. Yes. And I thought, if you'd... Imagine if he turned around and he said, by and large, is going terribly on the back. That, that would be, I mean, obviously it's never going to happen, but in my own mind, I had a little giggle yeah. to myself.
2: Well, why don't we make our <laughs> by and large, it's going terribly T-shirts a specific Welsh rugby one? In fact, I have actually already made one of those. You just haven't made them for sale. Probably. I know, you, oh, you, yeah.
1: you've, set, you've spent loads of time doing it the graphic yeah I, just spent, I
2: spent split. good i spent a good morning at work doing those
1: <laughs> oh and a big shout out to phil jones actually who again who's also he's in the alley brew lounge but he's also uh, he was at download this weekend with one I of our t-shirts on good man i
2: profoundly enjoyed that
1: amazing amazing yes
2: always send us that kind of thing by the way
1: <laughs> yes places you know anyway we really have to bring this to an end because that's oh, gone on for do. fucking <laughs> oh, ages. <shit. laughs> we apologise. If you've lasted till the end, give us a shout out. Yeah. Speak to you no all next week when we'll try and
0: edit ourselves, but we can't promise anything. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Take care. tell out. However you like to do it, indoors, outdoors, in the gym or playing the field. You know that being fit comes with benefits. At Lifestyle Sports, we have the sportswear for you. Brands that turn you on. Innovation that gives you the edge and no strings of So you can choose life with benefits. Style with benefits. Sports with benefits. Your life, your style, your sports at LifestyleSports.com.